Warning, the Dove Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there is always the possibility of spoilers for any anime series to occur at any time, so please be careful while listening in case there's a series you may not have finished yet. And finally, we at the Dub Talk Podcast wanted to give a special thank you to John Swayze for taking part in our interview for today, as well as a special thank you to the folks at PortCon Maine for allowing us to put this together at the last minute. We sincerely thank you, and we hope you guys enjoy this special episode of the Dub Talk Podcast. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Dub Talk. Today is a companion piece to the Alice in Zoroku episode, and actually the first time we've ever done something like this. I'm here at PortCon, Maine with Lilac. Hello. And a very, very special guest who has agreed to sit down with us. Um, introducing the voice of Zoroku Kashimura, Mr. John Swayze. Hello, how are you? Doing excellent. Good. How are you today? I am fantastic. I'm uh, my voice is a little hoarse. We've been having a lot of fun here at PortCon, Maine. Yeah, you were kind of losing your voice a little bit at the Q and A panel. Yeah, earlier. yeah. It's uh, generally staying up too much or staying up too late, and, and probably maybe having too much to drink. I'm not sure. <laughs> Happens to the best. Never, of us. never let anyone tell you whiskey is a great idea for your voice. It's ah. not. So, uh, but anyway, it's been a lot of fun. This is a great convention. Great yeah. people, um, and I'm having a blast here in Maine. So. Awesome. Okay, so shall we begin? Yes. Okay, so I know you brought this up in the panel itself, but um, why don't you give us a quick breakdown of these, <clears throat> how you broke into the industry? You can give us a Cliff Notes version, because I know you get asked probably this all oh, the yeah, time. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, that's okay, <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I um, you know, when I was 15, I wanted to be an actor. I, I discovered acting, uh, saw a show on Broadway, and I said, that's what I want to do. Um, so I started acting, I went to college, got a degree, and then... Uh, you know, started cutting my teeth doing uh, theater and started doing some film work and uh, television and industrials and corporate tough stuff. And then one day somebody asked me if I could do a voiceover. And I was like, what's a voiceover? And they said, well, it's a radio commercial, actually. It's not even a voiceover. I said, well, sure, I'd love to. And I went in and I did it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a lot of fun. And that was probably in the late 80s, maybe 1990. And then, um, so I started doing commercials and I started doing, I was like, man, this is really fun. I really love it. You know, and I don't have to shave. I don't have to lose weight. I don't have to just go be me, you know? And, um, then in 1996, uh, just by happenstance somebody introduced me to anime and I was like, I had no idea what anime even was and then couldn't even spell the word. And, uh, they said, well, it's Japanese animation. Well, my first thought was, well, I don't speak Japanese. So. I go, no, no, we dub it into English. And I was like, huh. Well, as it turns out, <clears throat> pardon me, there was a company in Houston, Texas called ADV Films, AD Vision. And um, I got an audition with them. I tanked the audition. It was a terrible audition. I had no clue what I was doing. I asked them to do it again. They graciously said, okay. And I just started kind of doing weird voices at random, you know, because I, I, didn't, I still didn't know what I was doing. But they were like, oh, well, that's pretty good. So they put me in a show called Golden Boy. And that was my very first anime ever, ever uh, dubbed. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the stars were aligned. And um, I got in with a company that happened to be turned into the number one distributor of anime in North America. And so at their heyday, and they're, they're still around, but when they're at the peak of their existence, I would say, um, you know, we were running like a factory. 
six studios doing ADR from nine in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Then I started directing and then I started working at Funimation and up in Dallas. And, you know, it's just it's really grown. I think right now, you know, Texas is probably the number one supplier of anime in North America. It's definitely one of the larger hubs that in LA, but Texas is probably. Well, and LA has its, you know, LA is LA. I mean, that's right. just, that's the, yeah. So, I mean, it just, it's just bizarre that Texas is the hub, but LA is LA. So there's going to be a lot of stuff out there anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, so people like go, I want to get into voice acting. What do I do? I said, well, you need to leave um, Iowa or wherever you're from. You got to move to Texas or LA or New York, you know, so. Um, Anyway, that's kind of how I got into it. I've just been doing it. I realize I've been doing anime now for over 20 years. It's a, it's it's a, a long, long time, time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you got fans that, you know, were are not even that old. You know, you've been doing it longer than you've got fans that are, you know, yeah. the age. So. Okay, so um, since this is a companion piece to Alice and Zoroku, I kind of wanted to quickly ask you a question. Um, so... You play a lot of dads in anime. I do. A lot of dad figures, father I figures. I do. I really do. Um, Who's your daddy? John Swift. <laughs> <laughs> um, Makes sense. What is, your fa- what is the favorite father figure that you have played in anime? Well, I, there's a lot of them. I mean, you know, everywhere from... Uh, and, and they may not necessarily be the father, but like in Alice and Zoroku, right. you know, it's... it's um, He's sort of an adopted father. Yeah, and right? same with uh, Kumotetsu as well. Kumotetsu, right, right. The boy and the beast. And th- there's a whole range of uh, characters. Um, some of them are more memorable than others. I mean, you know, Gendo, for instance, and right. Evangelion. Yep. You know, he was a fun character to play, but he's a jerk. I mean, he's, you know, what kind of dad is that, you know? But there's a lot of layers to him, which is, makes it really interesting. So, um, you know, they're all fun. They're all just different. But Kumitetsu is probably one of my least favorite. I, I, that was something that I probably, out of everything I've ever dubbed, that's the, probably the thing I love the most, playing Kumitetsu. Yeah, I recently rewatched um, Boy and the Beast the other day. Oh, I was done. <laughs> it's a great it's movie. I mean, uh, you know, Mamoru Hosada is just a brilliant filmmaker. He really is. He's, you know, he's, he's um, you know, it's like, Miyazaki and, and Hosada are like the Spielberg and, and uh, uh, Lucas. Lucas, thank you. Yeah, they're like the they're that of Japan and anime. You know, yeah. I mean, but they they just know how to tell great stories and yeah. they know how to to make them great. You know, just so that was yeah. a privilege. <clears throat> to be oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, the Boy and the Beast actually came out at a very good time in my life. I had just just lost my grandfather a few months beforehand so interesting um so you know, thank you that was well, kind of cathartic <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad it was you know i it's amazing to me this is one of the things that fascinates me about um, anime is that unlike american or western animation which i love i mean i'm a big simpsons fan love family guy and a huge archer fan and i love that stuff but i love it because it's it's entertaining but anime actually reaches people, it touches yeah. people, it affects yeah. them, you know, in a way that I had no idea. You know, I thought literally when I first started doing this kind of thing, I thought I was just making, you know, having fun making voices and, you know, that kind of thing. Right. A couple of months ago, I was at a convention and this young man came up to me and he was 
dressed as Gendo. And uh, he literally told me a story of how that character, you know, not just the story, not just, but that character, my performance in particular, saved his life. Yeah. I mean, when you hear a story like that, how can you not be moved? How can you not be touched and, and understand that, you know, this isn't just wacky outsider fringe kids getting dressed up. I mean, this stuff has meaning. It has depth. It has, you know, uh, ramifications and, and all kinds of, pick all the words you want. But it really is fascinating to me. It just means a lot to me. You know, it's so much more than what is on the surface. Yeah, because a lot of people will probably never seen anime or know much about it. They usually just see it on a surface level, but when you really kind of dive deep, whether it's as a fan or as a voice actor or staff, production staff of any kind, you kind of see a lot more intricacies and complexity mm -hmm. in a lot of anime. And, and what's what I really find interesting is, uh, you know, and I talked about this in my panel, one of the things I loved about, I love about conventions is... It's, to me, it's like going to a Grateful Dead concert. And I equate these conventions with the Grateful Dead because I'm a big deadhead. I love the Grateful Dead. But one of the things that I love about the Grateful Dead and I love about these conventions is <clears throat> it's a chance for a group of people that are fringe or outsiders or, you know, outcast. You know, the kids come up to you and they go, I'm the one that they stuffed in the lockers or I'm the one that got the swirly yeah. in the toilet or whatever. And this is a place where you're accepted for who you are. You know, you, you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to put on a costume. Of course, they all do, you know, cosplay. But nobody, it's all, you get admired for it. You're not called out on it, you know, and I, I just think that's wonderful. Um, it's honestly a really, really strong supportive community, if anything. Very inclusive, you know, very inclusive. No one's here to go, you can't be in our club. It's no, come right. on in. We like you to, and, I, and I'm, I, I would say, I would maintain the fact that I think the dub versus the sub, I think that's a big part of it because, um, you know, there are those people that go, if you don't watch the subtitle version, you know, you're fake or whatever. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of people that may not have ever gotten into it if it was only subtitles. Right. You know? And frankly, I, I appreciate the subtitle, but I don't like watching a movie where I have to focus on the lower third yeah. of the movie because yeah. you take, take a movie like... Uh, Boy and the Beast or any name of Miyazaki film. There's so much more going on. I mean, there's yeah. the reason that there's a big screen because there's stuff happening everywhere. It's not just right here. So if you're locked into having to read it, you know, I think you're missing out on a lot of the, yeah. the beauty of the film or the, the anime. I kind of had that originally because I actually saw Boy and the Beast in theaters last year, but it was the Japanese, so the subtitles were there. So. Going back to when I rewatched it and the dub and everything, I caught a lot more stuff mm -hmm. the next go around. Yeah, absolutely. Given much more appreciation. Um, I have an interesting question, kind of going back to father figures. Sure. Because you said, like, all the father figures you've set, you, you've played before, you've voiced before, they're all different in their own way. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of Zoroku, how do you think he's different compared to some of the other father figures you've voiced before? Um, well, you know, he's a. Uh, Zoroku is a. Uh, an interesting character because he's he's kind of a loner, you know. He's uh, he's he, but he's strong, and I, I love the fact that he's he's a very strong person. But he's a florist, you know. He's he's he does flower arrangements. Yeah, but he takes it very seriously, you know. And he's very he's a very serious man. But I, the dynamic of having this young girl come into his life, and it's you know it's a classic story of 
I'm fine by myself. I don't need anybody. Right. And you do. We all need somebody. And, uh, you know, to see that playing out. What's interesting for me is I'm, I'm going to record some next week. But, you know, because it's a simulcast, I don't know what's, going what's on, coming up. Yeah. yeah. So I get to kind of live it, which is really a lot of fun, you know. But it's a, it's a beautiful little story. And um, I just, uh, Cliff Chapin is the director on that. We've had just a really, really good time recording it. And I'm, I'm very grateful to him because he really fought for me to get this role. Yeah, you were mentioning that earlier at the Q&A panel. Yeah, too. He, he, he asked, you know, he's like, I want Swayze for this. And they said, well, I think, you know, because they're, they're in Dallas and I'm in, or they're up in the Dallas area. It's a four-hour drive one way. And I've just got a lot going on and I, you know, they, I think, were told him, like, dude, I don't think you can get John. I don't think he's available. And uh, they finally reached out to me. I was like, yeah, I'd love to do this. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'll make time, you know. Yeah. And so that's what I've done. And uh, I'm really glad I did because it's, uh, he's just a, he's becoming quickly my new favorite character. Yeah, I think a lot of us were excited when we originally saw the yeah. voice in Zoroku. I know. Oh, thank you. I'm not, I'm not in the actual Allison Zoroku episode that they record it, uh -huh. but personally, I think, because this, Allison's Roku has probably become my new favorite show of the spring season, mm -hmm. and a lot of it has to do with the dub, and a, quite a bit also with you, too, because I enjoy Zoroku a lot, honestly. I need to go back and watch it. I haven't actually gotten a chance to watch it's it yet. It's good. You know, so, <laughs> it's really um, good. I, I need to go back and start, you know, just start again. It's, it's not too far into it, but... Um, yeah, because it's it is it's a really interesting show. I like the subject matter, yeah. um, and you know it's interesting to me because you know so much anime is little boys or little girls or Mac or you know right. all this kind of stuff. And I like story. And this has got some uh, you know where the mental powers and there's there's that kind of aspect to it, you know, but. I just, I love doing shows that are just really focused kind of on the relationships yeah. of the people. You know, it's not about the explosions. And the, you know, it's not a, a, a Dragon Ball. It's right. all just, ah, had enough, no, ah, you know. <clears throat> There's actually a, a, a sense of humanity yeah. to this, you know. And I, I just, I really love doing that. One of my favorite shows ever to direct was a show called Welcome to the NHK. Yes. And it was the same way. You know, it's not about the explosions. It's not about the monsters. Yeah. It's not about the robots. It's about this guy dealing with stuff, you know, and it was really a beautiful thing. I, I thoroughly enjoyed directing that and had an amazing cast as well. So uh, it made it really easy. I know Welcome to the NHK is probably probably one of my favorite comedy series. It's such a dark comedy too. It is a dark comedy, yeah. It's really good, and the mm -hmm. the dub is amazing. It's funny because I found out I just found out the other day because it has been a little while since I watched NHK. I found out the other day that you were the director for it. I'm like, how did I not know about this? Series? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes the directors fall into the the corner and they don't, you know, kind they're of, not yeah. the ones that get all the recognition and all that yeah. kind of stuff, which is fine. I mean, you know, no big deal, but uh, you know. There's been a lot of very, very talented directors who, yeah. you know, unless you're a Mamoru Hosada or a Miyazaki, you know, you're not right on the front page of the whole thing. So it's true. Yeah. Um, so you brought up the the broadcast dub, simul dubs thing. Um, how has that kind of changed the dynamic of dubbing in Texas? 
Because you've seen both ends, like, a lot of the home video release kind of dubs, where it take, mm -hmm. we have more time to take, to record and make everything good. And then you have the broadcast stuff, so you've seen that side of it too. Mm -hmm. So we're just wondering how different or interesting it is between working on the two different kinds. Well, I, I don't really notice a difference. Um, the big difference is, is you don't get to really know what's going on with the broadcast, because they're coming in as their broadcast. You right. Know, so... Uh, now, for me, because I come from Houston up to Dallas, they will try to arrange it so uh, episode one, they're finishing episode one, mm -hmm. and they're beginning episode two. Okay. So I'll come in kind of in the middle so I can do both episodes. Okay. That makes sense. You know, that way I'm not having to go up every week. I go up kind of basically every other week. And essentially you're working yeah. on two episodes at <clears> a <throat> time. I'll be working on two episodes at a time, right? That works. That's good. Um... Conversely, you know, you're working, I'm directing a show right now called Who's Show and Torah. It's 39 episodes. But we're doing all 39 episodes at once. Yeah. So, you know, we did them in blocks of 13, but I mean, it's just still, it's the minute those 13 are done, we start on the next 13. In fact, when we were doing the first block of 13, we hadn't even finished and we already started on the second one. So it's been a, my month of June has been Who's Show and Torah pretty much every day. There you yeah. go. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, the big difference is, is you know, you're, you're obviously working more, um, but, you know, just the dubbing process itself, uh, for anime anyway, has been, has really changed and evolved over 20 years I've been doing this. Yeah. And to give you an idea of what I mean is that when I started doing anime in 1996, if we could do 15 cues an hour, that was deemed good. Wow. Now we do 60 an hour. So it's really, you know, and, and, you know, not everybody, but a lot of us have been doing this so long. It's not rocket science, you know, it's, you, know, you, you want to find your character, right. you know, but um, once you're there, you know, the dubbing process, that's just mechanical. That's easy. Right. You know, um, and some directors don't like to go that fast. You know, sometimes right. we have to. Uh, I think there, you know, you do reach a point of diminishing returns in that if you go too fast, you're, you're losing something. You know, right. you want to take your time with it and get it done right. You know? uh, but so that's the big difference I see is that between the broadcast and that is is with the broadcast dubs, you, you only get one or two episodes at a time, so you don't really know what's going on or what's coming up in the other other way where you're doing 13 episodes or 26 or 39. Uh, you really um, get a chance to uh, see what the whole plan is, you yeah. know. And so if you have a line here, beginning, but you know what's coming up at the end, you know. Although, I will say, <laughs> as a director, if you, and I didn't have access to all 39 episodes, I wasn't, okay. uh, yeah. you know, I'm, and I'm watching just a subtitled version to prep myself to direct the ADR. And I just, you know, we had to start while I was casting the show. And now I'm in the last 13 episodes and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the worst nightmare ever because I've got characters that are voiced by the same actor that are talking to each other. Oh, it so yeah. kind of just suddenly collides with each other. Yeah, 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 when worlds collide. Oh no. <laughs> so, so far it's worked out okay, but you know, we'll see. Um, so on that subject, um, 
During your panel, you answered a very fascinating question, and that was about the differences between acting and directing. I'm just basically asking you to paraphrase what you said at the panel. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, directing and acting, I mean, obviously, are two different things. And um, as an actor, I rely heavily on my director to tell me, you know, what's going on, what's the... You know, I'm, I rely on that person to guide me as far as, you know, how they want the character to deliver the line. Yeah. Um, and as a director, though, I, while I, I want to provide information to my actors, um, a lot of times, you know, you can bog them down if you give them too much information. Right. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. and it depends on the character. I mean, like, for instance, Ushio and Tora. You know, I'll, I talked to uh, the cast who play Ushio and Tora, and actually the one that played Tora is a, this is a reboot, and he played it originally, so he was already familiar with it. But um, talking to the actor that played Ushio, you know, I really had to give him some backstory and say, this is what's going on, and yada, yada, yada. And, um, but I really like to rely on the, um, I like to rely on the actors and let them do what they know how to do. Right. You know, mm-hmm. don't hog tie them or hand tie them and get them all, uh, you know, where they, they can't uh, do what they're trained to do. You know, just let them kind of, you know, everyone has a job and it's like, let, I'm going to let you do your job. If something doesn't uh, look right or feel right, you know, I'll definitely get them to redo it um, and, and give them like, hey, you know, you said the line this way, I really would like it more this way. And they're like, okay, right. that's fine. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, as an actor, I'm a big fan, oddly enough, of a line read from the director. Because if, I, you know, if I, I can give you what I think it is, but the director knows the show far better than I do. Right, right. so they know it a so certain they way. They know the context okay. that this line is in. So if I'm not delivering it the way you like it, just tell me what you want. And I'll be glad to do it. You know, I'm not a, well, I don't want a line to read. And a lot of directors are very, you know, do you mind if I get one? Please, please do. You know, the overall goal is to work as a team and get this product out right. and make it the very best it can be, you know, so. Uh, but direct, being an actor certainly helped me. Right. It always seems that a lot of ADR directors start out as actors before jumping into that. That, that seems to be the pattern that we Mm-hmm. usually see a lot of the time mm-hmm. and I, I think it is beneficial too to see oh, yeah. how both both sides of it well um yeah and not when i started at adv um i was actually probably i mean matt greenfield was a director and he did a little bit of acting but he wouldn't i don't think he'd call himself an actor right you know? i may have been one of the first actors to actually start directing at adv and then more of them, Christine Otten got involved. Now, that being said, a lot of the directors will still act. There'll be a lot of voices in right. the show. Yeah. Uh, Chris Ayers, of course, is one with uh, He's a very talented actor. Got into directing, you know, very gifted there. But yeah, it's just, it's because it's really more of a, it's just, I guess we understand the process of how it works. It'll be a whole ADR thing. It just makes it easy. And again, we've been doing this so long. Yeah. You know, it's not, uh, it's just, it's all like second nature to us. Yeah, that always helps. Okay, so I had one last question before sure. we headed out. Um, you had also mentioned in the panel that you had found out you have rel- potentially 
have relatives up here in Maine. Yes, as a matter of fact, when I'm done with you all, I'm getting in a car and going downtown to the Maine Historical Society and see if I can't do a little digging around to find out if I've actually got ancestors here. Um, or relatives, I should say. Uh, I did call a guy yesterday. <laughs> Just a rat. I found a, this guy named Richard Swayze who lives here in Maine, in Portland. And he's about 65, I guess. And I called him up. It's just like, told him my story. I said, do you think you might be related? He's like, no. <laughs> no, I don't. Goodbye. It's like, oh, okay. Thanks, uh, Thanks for your help. Yeah, Appreciate yeah. So, it. Uh, but anyway, like I'm going to do a little exploring downtown see what I can't dig up. There you go. Sounds like your average run-of-the-mill. <laughs> Mainer. 60-plus right. Mainer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Sounds about right. So... All right. Well, thank you for your time. Well, thank yeah. you guys. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Yeah. So I know con schedules can be very busy. <laughs> well, you know, um, this convention's actually been really, really easy. Uh, yeah. The people have been great. Jekka, uh, who's been, she's our guest liaison, and, and uh, she's been fantastic. She told me in an email, you know, she goes, well, we're going to do this and this. We're very, very easy along with and very laid back. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So it's been a, it's been a nice schedule, and, and I think actually after this, I'm done for the, the weekend. So huh. oh, cool. There you yeah, go. Got some time to goof around. Although, like last night, I'll probably go find myself to get into some, some sort of trouble, <laughs> wander into a panel that I shouldn't be in. And oh no, green. we've all done that. Yeah. Oh exactly. yeah, exactly. we're all guilty of it at some point. That's right. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank no you. Problem. Really appreciate it. All right. So I would like to give a big thank you to Porcon, to uh, Julie York for helping us get the setup, and Jekka. Um, we are at the Doubletree by Hilton by the Mall in South Portland, Maine, basically across the street from the main mall. Yeah. Um, next year, uh, Porcon will be held June 21st through the 25th, and our theme will be spooky. Sp spooky. Uh, so from Dub Talk to you all. Like to wish you a good day. Tapuande Daba. <laughs> now that's your mainer accent right there. There it is. <laughs> that's your mainer accent if you're wondering. That's awesome.